ESPN Chicago, the new home of the Chicago Bears. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air, deep to right, it is gone! This is a presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Welcome in to White Sox Weekly. I am Connor McKnight, and you're listening to ESPN 1000. Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available right now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season, including opening day on March 28th. Our ticket plans include great benefits, such as ticket exchange programs, special events, savings on single games, and more for more information, visit whitesox.com slash 2024. We got a lot going on this weekend. I mean, all of a sudden, with the weather finally starting to get into the double digits, we had the furnace go out at the house for a little while this past week. No fun. I know a lot of people had the same situation going on in negative temps. We are slowly inching closer and closer to warmer weather and to baseball, and we got a lot of fun uh, reporting and rumors and signings and prospect lists to get to in the show this afternoon. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. This show is yours as much as it is anything else. But I wanted to start today with some of the rumors, the reporting that the Sun-Times had done earlier in the week about a potential new ballpark for the White Sox. Not, you know, for next season, but for down the line here. Uh, they've been talking about, or at least the uh, the reporting has been about, a new site for the White Sox on the south side of the city. South Loop, I guess you could call it. I know there's some distinction about whether or not that is or isn't south side. We're going to get into that in the first segment of the show today. But I, I know that there are a lot of people. I mean, listen, when you talk about the ballpark in baseball, right, whether it's on the south side, 35th and Shields, or whatever your team is and wherever they play, fans have opinions on the ballpark itself. The heck with opinions. They've got feelings about the ballpark itself, emotions that go through that brick and mortar and transfer into part of what being a fan of a particular franchise is. I know there's been a lot of phone calls uh, throughout the afternoon. Peggy and Dion talked a little bit uh, about this report earlier. Um, so if you were talking to them or if you were on the line and getting it, didn't get a chance to, I want to know what you think about this proposed site for the White Sox, this idea, this rumor, these reports that this could be on the way for the team. It's an exciting one. I, I love the opportunity to go to the different ballparks that we get to go to throughout the, the season. I travel a little bit with the team, filling in for Len every now and again, and, and being able to see some of the ballparks that I hadn't been to before is, i, I got to be honest with you, as big a perk that this job comes with as anything else when you're a baseball you know, nerd like myself. Whether it's the new ballpark uh, I got to see in Texas a couple of years ago, heading to Atlanta to see Truist Park last season. Um, that's one of the newer ones in baseball, as you know. Or, or hitting some of the older ballparks. I got a chance to go to Fenway for the first time last year. And that's just, I mean, it's a true trip through history going to that ballpark as long as it's been around. So I get that this conversation uh, around where this team may be playing its games you know, later on in the decade 
is a pretty hot topic of, of conversation here. I want to, we'll talk with you about it in just a little bit. But there are some, you know, some bigger bullet points here that I wanted to get to to, to set the scene here on the show to make sure that we've talked about it a little bit before we get into what I think could be a, a pretty long conversation um, about a potential new ballpark for the White Sox. Uh, again, reported. John Brebbia has signed a deal with the White Sox. Uh, he's a reliever, right-hander, six foot one, 200 pounds. It's reportedly a $5.5 million deal, and Brebbia is a vet. Guy's been around for a good long while, or at least it feels that way. Uh, came up in 2017, pitched three years with the Cardinals, did not pitch in 2020, and then three years with the San Francisco Giants, going from 21 to 23. 38 and a third innings last season with a 399 ERA. The White Sox, as you know, have been looking to fill out that bullpen uh, quite a bit with some more veteran arms. And they've taken some flyers on guys signed to uh, minor league deals. There's another minor league signing that we'll talk about. It happened a few days ago, but we hadn't had a chance to talk about it since it happened after last week's White Sox Weekly. Um, but we'll start with, with Brebbia here. Uh, MLB Network, John Morosi, he reported it. Daryl Van Scowen of the Sun-Times has signed, uh, had tweeted it a little bit as well. Uh, the team has yet to announce that deal, so we're still in the, you know, we'll see sort of thing. But this is, you know, this is what you look at from Brebbia. At least this is what I look at from Brebbia. You're, you're looking at a guy who, for the most part, and last season was a little bit of an uptick in his walk rate, but for the most part, keeps a good strikeout-to-walk ratio. Last year, 3.3 walks per nine, 11 strikeouts per nine, and that 3.3 uh, ties the highest walk number that he's had in his six major league seasons. Um, the guy is you know, a, a dependable dude that you're able to kind of turn to and go, okay, uh, handle an inning for me. I'll be really interested to see, um, now that he's coming off of Tommy John surgery back in 2020, the reason he didn't pitch. I think I mentioned that earlier, but failed to go into the detail. Uh, Tommy John for Brebbia. So in, in June of 2020. So on his way back from that, and hopefully in a, in a full season of, of healthy baseball, um, Brebbia is a guy who kind of came on late with the Cardinals um, and was able to refine the pitch mix a little bit and you get a little crafty, I think, around some of the edges. I'll be very interested to see, as I mentioned earlier, um, just which of the guys that this White Sox front office, I'm talking about the the bullpen side of things, um, now that we kind of know what the starting rotation may look like come the start of 2024 here with the, the understanding or the knowledge that Chris Getz shared with everybody last week about Chris Flexen being headed for a starter's inning workload, being a starter in that rotation, uh, Cease and Fetty and Kopech, and kind of understanding how the rest of that all kind of falls into place. I'll be really interested to see which guys out of that White Sox bullpen, because you have so many potential starters, are going to be tagged as multi-inning starters, guys that can handle a little bit more than three outs. Because... In that rotation mix, should a guy like Mike Soroka get there, even Kopech to a certain point, um, Fetty coming back from the KBO, Flexen with a relatively low workload last year, you're you're wondering, you're looking at some of these guys and going, okay, I, I understand what the White Sox want to get out of pretty much each one of these pitchers, but how deep into games can you get? Not each of these guys is Dylan Cease, and even when Cease 
you know, is, is pitching pretty well, the walk totals can crank up on him, and that means sometimes some early exits. So I'll be very interested to see, once we get to spring training, um, what Pedro Grifol and Ethan Katz and Brian Bannister have in mind, and, of course, Chris Katz, the GM, have in mind in terms of which guys in that bullpen are going to be able to carry longer innings loads or, or larger innings loads um, and which are going to be kind of your more traditional relievers. Maybe maybe everybody, or, or mostly everybody, has a chance to kind of extend themselves and prove themselves out of that bullpen in a little bit of a way. I think spring training will be useful for that. And, and I think, too, when when we get there, right, when we get to pitchers and catchers reporting, which is coming up pretty quickly, and we've got spring training starting as well at the end of February, I think one of the things to remember, especially when it comes to this coming version of the White Sox team, is that your depth, you know, your starting five, and your bullpen, the rest of the it's not five and it's not eight. You know, it's not – I like to think of that starting rotation as tell me what your six, tell me what your seven, tell me what your eighth guy looks like. In that bullpen, tell me what 10, 11, 12, and 13 look like. The first guys up from the minor leagues – and then I'll kind of tell you what I feel about that depth, about the talent in that particular bullpen. And to that end, one of the guys that has reportedly signed to a minor league deal with the White Sox is Joe Barlow, a right-hander who you will remember from his work with the Texas Rangers in 21, 22, and 23. Not a whole lot of work there in 2023 at the major league level, um, but we'll talk more about Barlow uh, a little bit later on in the show, as he's one of the guys that's been added on to that depth as well. Let's get into the fun stuff. I, I talked about it to start the show, and I, I really do feel like it's a fun and kind of cool conversation because it's filled with what if. Um, I know that there are other sides to the argument here, but I think the idea of taking a look at a new location for any team, I mean, regardless, if you're staying in the same city and looking at a different spot, is kind of a fun thing to concern yourself with, kind of a fun thing to kind of wonder about. And to that end, there's reporting in the Sun-Times just a couple of days ago that the White Sox are, with the city, kind of pondering the idea of, at the end of the lease at Guaranteed Rate Field, which would be in 2029, potentially moving the ballpark and changing the place they play. Now, this is just reporting, and when you're in situations like this, when teams are close to and you know, in terms of, of real estate moves, right, in terms of large, uh, you know, complicated maneuvers like this, I, I would say five years away is getting to be close, right? I mean, you're talking about a new ballpark and construction times and all this other sort of stuff. If indeed that's where things are headed, you've got to plan ahead for things like this, right? Um, the statement, a statement rather, was released by both the White Sox and the city, and while it did not acknowledge any kind of you know conversation about what's to come at this particular site, which we'll get into on the other side of a quick break. The White Sox and mayor's office did release a statement that said, and I quote, we met to discuss the historic partnership between the team and Chicago and the team's ideas for remaining competitive in Chicago in perpetuity. That's music to my ears. You know, I know as we have gone into the kind of expansion era of baseball and now to some of the moves in and around, you know, you've got the A's probably moving to Vegas. I think that's still on the table. It, it, that's been up and down and over and around uh, a couple of different times just in this last six months or so. Uh, but you, we are not too far away from the Rays 
rectifying their stadium situation, the A's potentially moving to Vegas, and then it has always been said by those in the know that Major League Baseball would think about expanding again and going from 30 teams to you know uh, maybe a couple more there have always been conversations around places like Nashville or Charlotte or Portland uh, Montreal has always been in the conversation about you know more baseball teams getting added to the league and those places being interesting spots and while that conversation happens of course any team that's in the mix for looking at something a little bit different is going to start their conversations about what that something different looks like. So it really shouldn't come as much as a, as much a surprise as this is part of uh, perhaps the next evolution or you know what happens next for this team. But there are a lot of moving parts, of course, and a lot of reporting that's been done about the what ifs, uh, things that are going to get nailed down. I would imagine. Um, as the uh, as the months tick by, three one two three three two three seven seven six. That's the phone number. You think it's a good idea? You like the idea of the seventy eight right there north of of Chinatown and just off the Roosevelt Red Line stop? Want to hear from you? Uh, you'd like to see them somewhere else? What would your dream location be? I guess if you're if you had to go ahead and move the ballpark or shoot, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Maybe you want them to stay right where they are. We'll talk about all those possibilities when we come back. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Elements in 2024, located on the 200 level behind home plate, the Guaranteed Rate Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash GRC or call or text 312-674-1000. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight talking about the uh, Sun-Times reporting earlier this week about a potential new ballpark for the White Sox, not for next year and not for a few years down the road. The lease at Guaranteed Rate Field runs through the 2029 season. I would imagine, especially with this reporting coming out and a lot of the talk shows, you know, our, our guys on Waddle and Sylvie and Carmen Yurk and Cap and Jay Hood talking about this all throughout the, uh, the end part of the week. Uh, it was a pretty big story. Um, you're aware that the lease is is up when it's up, and and that there are a lot of different ways that this could go. Um, but I'm I'm interested in it. I'm always interested in new ballparks, uh, and and I think that the ballpark itself, kind of like we started the show talking about, means a lot more than just the place you go to watch the game. I mean, sure. You talk about how long it takes you to get there. You know, folks in Atlanta at the brand-new ballpark have said a lot of things about the, the traffic and and difficulties they've had getting into that ballpark. I mean, shoot, Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium, has been there and in that traffic loop for a long time. It's one of the older ballparks in the game, and, and still you got Dodgers fans who show up in the third and leave in the seventh because traffic is too bad getting in there and it's too gross getting out. So they never saw closes of games and ends of games and stuff like that, or at least that's what they tell you. Apparently it's gotten better since. But either way, this ballpark is a pretty interesting conversation, and I want to get to some phone calls on it, 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Uh, But before we take some calls, I I just wanted to give you a quick story uh, about the current ballpark. 
And it loops into something that's uh, that happened just a day or two ago. I don't know if you saw the news uh, about the mass layoffs at Sports Illustrated. Um, our condolences here at White Sox Weekly in the station to those fantastic, fantastic writers, uh, both past and present, who wrote for Sports Illustrated. I know, speaking for myself, as a, as a child of the 90s, right, a kid who grew up looking at the covers of Sports Illustrated and going, oh my, this is, the, I have to read this story, or looking for the back columns for Riley and everybody else and looking, reading those and going, this is, I didn't know you could do this for a living. This is so cool. I want to work in sports. I mean, for those of us, you know, kind of the, the Ken Griffey Jr. generation of, of baseball fans, Sports Illustrated meant a ton to us. Shoot, SI Kids meant a ton for us. I think I still have the copy of of Mike Piazza on the cover playing drums while he was, I, I think it's with the Dodgers. I mean, it's, I don't know why, but that just sticks with me as a childhood memory. Anyway, here's how this ties into the ballpark. White Sox fans, you know this. Dick Allen was on the cover of Sports Illustrated back in the 70s. He's juggling a baseball and smoking a cigarette in the dugout at Comiskey, the whole thing. And it's an iconic Sports Illustrated cover. When you walk into, like I did, the press box at Guaranteed Rate Field, I remember vividly the very first time that I went into that press box as working press. I was shadowing David Schuster, a longtime reporter here in town, a great guy, and without whom I have no idea where I'm going to do anything at Guaranteed Rate Field for weeks at a time. Uh, but he showed me to my seat, and there I am, sitting down the first baseline, covering a White Sox game, you know, excited out of my mind because I'm, I'm working in baseball for the first time ever, Major League Baseball, and right next to me is a copy of the Sports Illustrated with Dick Allen on the cover. I will, I will never forget it. I thought it was, I mean, they had SIs all over the place with, you know, White Sox stuff and all of the newspapers of, you know, World Series wins and big White Sox headlines and stuff like that. But I sat right next to the cover where Dick Allen was right there on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So that was just a cool memory for me and a cool thing about the ballpark now uh, that exists for, for the press to see. And I, I know that Sports Illustrated is in other places in the ballpark as well. I, I think they're in, in concourses and stuff. But just a cool memory that I wanted to share. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Anyway... Out to the phone lines we go. We're talking about the the proposed, the rumored new ballpark for the White Sox in the 78, what could be the 78th neighborhood in Chicago, just north of Chinatown along the south branch of the river, um, and want to know what you guys think. We'll start in the loop with Jim. Jim, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, man? Hi, Connor. All I can think of is uh, when Governor Thompson and and the Democratic House saved the White Sox, Five minutes after the bell, it was supposed to be a done deal. The section was to leave Chicago, but they pushed the clock five minutes further and saved the white sex. It, it remnants of the Tony uh, uh, Jack Dempsey fight where they didn't start counting until five seconds after the bell <laughs> in Chicago. But I think this is a fabulous idea. I, I love it. I love this spot. I'll vote for Mayor Johnson for the next, as long as I live. And I hope Pritzker gets on board because I think new dimensions and a new stadium, it's just exciting. I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, it's very exciting to see the Sox here forever. 
Yeah, Jim, I appreciate it, man. I'm I'm with you. I I can't help but be excited about these ideas. And and you know, listen, who knows if it comes to fruition if the if the other side of this, you know, kind of decision tree, if the other side of the flow chart is the White Sox stay at 35th and Shields until, you know, 2000 and 2150 or whatever it is, you know, for the next 100 years, I'm I'm cool with that too. That'd be great. I love the commute, and I would imagine it'd only get easier. What with you know, like teleportation and stuff, that's probably going to be invented by twenty one hundred. But I, I also think that you know, as the as the model changes in Major League Baseball, we see more and more teams kind of either shift to follow the model or understand what other teams were able to do because their real estate situations were in different places and different times and different situations. And, and we see teams kind of take on the new cutting edge of things. And what I mean by that is, as we've seen these ballparks spring up around the country here over the last, call it 10 years, and let's use Truist Park in Atlanta as an example, one of the things the Braves have done um, is create what they call the battery, right? And there's apartments and shopping malls and, um, you know, restaurants and all this other kind of stuff. And a lot of it was either developed in conjunction with the Braves or some of it is owned by the Braves on the north side. Uh, The other team in town, the Cubs, have a similar situation with the way that some of that development has gone. And what that provides a team... I mean, let's not kid about it. After all, baseball is a business. They're branching out in terms of their businesses are a lot of these major league franchises. And this may be an opportunity uh, for your team, the White Sox, to do something similar. It is a really intriguing prospect if indeed this is where things are headed. To say nothing the fact that, listen, the show is a, it's on radio, so I can't really describe some of the pictures, the renderings uh, that have been, uh, that have come out in conjunction with this reporting. But I, I don't know if you've been to PNC Park where the Pirates play. I, I got a chance to cover a playoff game there back in 2015. It was my first time at that ballpark. Actually, I don't know that I've been back. No, that was my only time there. It's an absolutely breathtaking ballpark. I mean, truly, truly beautiful. And it's right there on the river. Granted, situated a bit different than it seems like this ballpark might be situated it looks like the idea if you wanted to have the skyline in the background, or at least as much of it as you could capture, that the third baseline would kind of have to run parallel to the south branch of the river, which goes, I think it's pretty much straight north-south at that point um, up and down the city. But anyway, that third baseline would kind of parallel the river, the south branch, and that you know the outfield, or, or at least from home plate, you'd be kind of looking out toward... Um, I, I guess that'd be what out toward Navy Pier ish. I mean, you wouldn't be looking at Navy Pier, but if you just drew the whole long line across your your Google Maps or whatever, that's kind of the direction you're looking at, which would be a pretty cool sightline. I, I mean, no doubt about it. But it, you know, you wouldn't have the, the splashdown opportunities for any homers or anything like that. At least I don't think. Who knows? The rule, and there actually is a, a rule on the books about the direction ballparks should face. There are a lot of ballparks, and I believe Guaranteed Rate Field is one of them, that, that does not follow that rule. So it's, it's more a guideline than it is a rule, right? That's the, the Pirates of the Caribbean line to it. Um, and that's – it is what it is. But still, if you're moving up there, you know, closer and closer to Roosevelt or, or 14th or 15th or whatever it is, wherever UIC is, I forget, um, you're getting closer and closer 
to being able to bring in as much skyline as you can. I, one of my favorite views in baseball, and I, I haven't been to each and every park, but hoping to cross off as many of them as I can here in the next couple of years, one of my favorite views in baseball, at least from the home plate perspective, is in Detroit. The Tigers, you know, I built, I mean, that, that ballpark is downtown, downtown. But you look out Comerica, and you've got the skyline all the way from from fair territory in left, uh, rather foul territory in left, all the way to foul territory in right. And I just think that's one of the coolest views. Anytime I, I get a chance to broadcast from there, I'm kind of, it, it takes me a couple of minutes to sit down and remember that you got, you got a ball game to watch and you can't just look at all this cool stuff out there instead. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. Jeff and Kevin, we'll get to you guys after a quick break. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White White Sox Sox Weekly, Weekly. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available right now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season, including opening day March 28th. Our ticket plans include great benefits such as a ticket exchange program, special events, savings on single games, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash 2024. Been talking about the reported conversations the White Sox and the city have been having about a potential new ballpark after the 2029 season. It's in the it would be in the 78 in the South Loop there and we got a lot of phone calls uh, talking about this uh, this idea. I know it's gotten a lot of ink in the last couple of days as well, but we don't going to go any farther in the show without saying happy birthday to Ozzy Guillen. I mean, come on, you have to. He's 60 years old, and you can say it because it's right there on Baseball Reference. And when it's there on Baseball Reference, you're allowed to say it out loud. So happy 60th to Ozzy Guillen, who has meant so much to this team obvious, for obvious, obvious reasons. One of the things about this ballpark, this idea of a new ballpark that I find is a pretty interesting one is what that neighborhood is in Chicago, or at least what it, what it could be. I've been down and around in that area a a little bit here in the last couple of years. I I don't know where you're listening at. We appreciate you regardless of where you're at, but if you've, if you're not in the Chicago area, if you're in some of the burbs or dispersed a little bit or listening to us on the app, wherever you are and unfamiliar with it, some, it's got a pretty interesting history. This neighborhood had been uh, almost literally laundered some through some uh, some hands and has now been in the hands of a committee that's been trying to revitalize it as the 78th neighborhood in Chicago uh, into the future here over the next couple of years. There was a proposed casino site at this place, the, the details of which are well not really for this show, but either way, um, a proposed casino site ended up not going through that way. Regardless of the proposed casino or potential new ballpark that we've been talking about here for a little while, it sounds like the infrastructure that's been being pushed for in this neighborhood has been underway for a little while and been somewhat independent of either one of these proposed developments. 
um, whether that be an, another stop along the red line or some sort of public transportation stop there, buses, uh, bus routes rather that might move in and out, water taxis that have been um, reported on in that sometimes report that, that could transfer people um, over and across or even up and down that south branch of the Chicago River. Pretty cool. The first thing I thought of was tailgating up and down the river uh, for White Sox games. You see it in a lot of different uh, ballparks around the country. You also see it in college football, at least at two places. The University of Washington and the University of Tennessee are the two college football stadiums in the country where you can uh, boat gate. I've, I've seen it happen. I've been to both places and it is pretty incredible. I mean, people, and I, I don't know that you would necessarily do this on the south branch of the Chicago River, but in you know Puget Sound or like just off for Washington games, people like rope pontoon boats together, uh, kind of like they do with the playpen, and you've got the whole thing going on, parties back and forth. I Listen, I understand and love the tailgate culture that is in and around the White Sox. If you've got five years to adjust, should this happen, if you've got five years to adjust, Maybe sell the RV that you've been tailgating out of and get yourself a double-decker pontoon boat. I, listen, hopefully you get the heads up you need in order to get yourself set up for that kind of epic tailgate situation. Let's head back out to the phone lines, 312-332-3776 in Elmwood Park. It's Jeff on White Sox Weekly. What's up, Jeff? Hey, Connor. As a kid that grew up in old Comiskey and went across the street to new Comiskey, I think it's a great idea. Um, it's all about being relevant, I feel, in sports these days. If you look around all the leagues, everybody's got these big stadiums, entertainment, restaurants, bars. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great for the team, the city, for everybody. I mean, it'd be, a, it'd be more because people are not – people are concentrating more on the amenities, amenities I should say, mm. that are at the games, like the restaurants and the bars and – shopping and whatnot hey do it do it man jeff appreciate it man i mean that's it's definitely where a lot of teams and not just major league baseball are headed right teams are looking to control more of the the ballpark life the around the ballpark life than they ever have before there's an investment that you're able to make in this and then Ipso facto, you're able to kind of invest that back into the team, right? The idea of kind of creating more lines of revenue for yourself is a very interesting one. And I think, you know, regardless of of where things are headed here in Major League Baseball over the next little bit, one of the things that's kind of on the cutting room floor for today's show is some of the conversation around the RSNs, the local cable rights for a lot of teams that had hit bankruptcy with the Diamond Sports and Valley Sports and whatnot. If you're if you're up to date on this story, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're just kind of on the outside peering in on some of this RSN structure, what you need to know is essentially there was a lot of money coming to baseball teams on individual cable deals. And that has, like the Dodgers, um, really driven a lot of money toward payroll. Well, that model, as you know, because I'm sure you, like a lot of people, are thinking, about, okay, do I cut the cord? Do I stay with cable? Do I go a la carte? Do I pay for this but not that? What's the cancellation policy on any of the things that I'm going to watch? If I'm only watching baseball and I turn it off right after my team is done for the season and I turn it back on, how much a month am I paying then? I'm not saying that's me, but, you know, whatever. That's the kind of the conversation. Teams are well aware of that and have been for a few years. So branching out into more, 
you know, streams of revenue is an important part of, of owning a business like this, of moving a business forward like this. I think, too, what, what's going to be really interesting to see over the next few years is whether or not, whether it's the White Sox or any other team that begins um, to kind of have this conversation about a new stadium, a new park, or whatever, is something that, that I was kind of heartened by in the release, the statement, um, you know, one sentence though it was, by the team and the mayor's office. We met to discuss, I'm reading it again here in case you missed it at the beginning of the show, we met to discuss the historic partnership between the team and Chicago and the team's ideas for remaining competitive in Chicago in perpetuity. Now, the other side of this, and I, I, you know, I can't profess to be a you know, city finance guy or state finance guy or what have you, but obviously money is a big piece of this, right? And exactly how and, and what type and, and how long-term the financing is or whatever is going to be a point of contention. It always is when it comes to building a new ballpark, whether it be Major League Baseball or the NFL or basketball or whatever. I mean, these are big structures. Big structures come with big price tags, and big price tags are, are often, um, you know, kind of acquired, or at least the monies are acquired from different places. And, you know, I, I would imagine that a conversation like this is going to have to take place uh, a number of different times before anything actually pops up. I mean, I, I keep on using the Atlanta Braves um, as an example here, but it's the one that I was kind of most familiar with as they built their new ballpark. Um, over and over again, the ballpark's renderings and uh, traffic patterns had to be kind of reconstructed as it went because it was very close in Atlanta to a highway turnoff. And it was essentially, you know, kind of rerouted a couple of different times because that turnoff from the high, I mean, you were almost like turning off the highway and straight into the ballpark. And the, the congestion there would have been so rough and the local residents there were you know really upset about what that could potentially do to their you know their morning commute their everyday life and all this other kind of stuff so the the footprint of a ballpark is a really important thing to consider and that's why at least from my perspective why this is such an interesting and kind of exciting opportunity for the white Sox, for the city if indeed things go this way this is this would be a new neighborhood this would be a chance to start essentially from scratch, or I guess not from scratch, but with some of the bare bones involved, right? Your local transportation, your structure, all that kind of stuff. You'd have to rework, obviously, roads and, and maybe a park here or there, whatever it is. But the, the bare bones you kind of get to build as, as a team and as a city and hopefully work together well with you know the, 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 the ward, the neighborhood, however it goes, that's an exciting thing for me. You don't have um, the same kind of conversation, I would think, that you had to have in Atlanta, that the Rangers had to have because they moved across the, the, the highway or rather across the parking lots or whatever. That's an interesting thing to me. And being able to kind of, I, I don't know, have that little bit of a fresh start is absolutely intriguing. Now, all that said, and I, I feel like this is, is worth mentioning, I love the ballpark at 35th and Shields. I, I think the chance you have to walk around that ballpark with an uninterrupted view of the game because the concourse loops all the way around is awesome. There are a lot of ballparks and we've talked about it already. The Rangers, the new Rangers ballpark being one of them where you, you lose that view. I've been in ballparks here in the last couple of years where, you know, you, you walk out of the, the spot you're working, the press box or whatever, and you, you go to the, one of the concession stands and maybe you buy yourself a soda and you turn yourself back around and you, you lose track of, I kid you not, lose track of where the field is 
because it's kind of like they've constructed an indoor mall and in the middle plunked a baseball field and you kind of get lost in the ballpark itself. And that's that's not a good – I like to be connected to the game at all times when in that ballpark. I want to see more than just your – you know your pro shop and your concession stands and everything else, and get trapped in that in that thing of of commerce. And that's where some of the renderings, that at least I've seen, look like this is this could be. And listen again, you get to build it from scratch. Really, could be something very, very cool if indeed they end up heading that way. And something where you can take kind of the the DNA of old Comiskey and new and guaranteed rate field and the, the renovations that have been done there in the early parts of the 2000s and bring that with you into a new spot. That is something that not a lot of teams get a chance to do if and when they move um, in, into new stadiums. And, and that's a that's a very, very intriguing prospect. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. We'll head back out to the phone lines on the other side of a break. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Been talking a lot about the report of a new ballpark for the White Sox coming later on in the decade. I guess it'd be in the 2030s more or less, but it's been a hot topic of conversation. Oh, real quickly here, stay out of the elements in 2024, located on the 200 level behind home plate. The Guaranteed Weight Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash GRC or call or text 312-674-1000. A couple of notes here prospect-wise before we close up with a phone call. Kevin's been on I-94 and might be on a brand-new highway because he's been holding for a while, so we'll get to him in a second. Some notes on some prospects, some White Sox prospects. MLB Pipeline releases their top 100 prospects on the 26th of this month. Baseball Prospectus has already put out their 101, their top 101. Jordan, uh, Colson Montgomery is at number 11, and Noah Schultz is at number 57 on that list. Edgar Caro, the catcher for the White Sox, is at number 78 on that list. Baseball America has their top 100 out as well. Montgomery's at 15 on that list. Schultz is at 40. Brian Ramos and Nick Nestrini are guys that they term as just guys that just missed the top 100. Uh, MLB Pipeline is going position by position and tweeting out their top 10s. So in the top 10 catching prospects for 2024, Edgar Caro is the ninth-rated catching prospect on MLB Pipeline, and they've also done the 10 left-handed pitching prospects for 2024. Noah Schultz is the fourth-rated pitching prospect by MLB Pipeline. Uh, the boys over at Future Sox have some write-ups on all these prospects. They're very good. Uh, love them. And I've said for a while here that White Sox fans are a little bit spoiled because you've got some great people, uh, fans and bloggers and, and thinkers and writers in and around, whether it's uh, the boys at Sox Machine or Future Sox or the 108. You can get anything you need uh, from a lot of different perspectives. And I'd highly recommend the work that uh, James Fox has done on writing up some of these players and the other boys over at Future Sox as well. Some good comprehensive stuff on those prospects Take a look. We'll talk more about it next week, I think, as well. Uh, Kevin is on I-94 and now on White Sox Weekly. What's up, Kevin? 
going on, Connor? How are you? You're doing well. Good, man. I, want, I wanted to throw this at you. I was listening to Cap and Jay Hood early in the week. I want to say I heard this on Wednesday. But they were talking about the White Sox briefly, and they brought up that Las Vegas had put out the number of the win total for the White Sox in this 24th season. Yeah. And I believe the number that they said was 63 and a half. So when I heard that, my first thought was, if, if that under hits, that essentially means that it's another 100-loss season, or at best, it's a 99-loss season, which is still very bad. So the question I had for you was, what happens this season if they do another 100-loss season when you have Jerry on record stating that you know, he says that they plan to contend in 24. You have Chris Getz also saying that he doesn't like this team and there's changes that are going to be coming. And so far they've done, you know, a whole bunch of minor league deals and a few one, two-year deals with other veteran-type players. Yeah. No real huge big names. So like, oh, here we go. This is what's going to get, you know, the, the blood running. So my question is essentially what happens if – they have another hundred last season. I know it's kind of a, a, a down question to ask, but I was on my mind and I was curious what your feedback on it would be. No, I got you, Kevin. I appreciate it. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Chris Getz kind of talked a little bit about the direction of a season in last week's uh, press conference. I guess it was two weeks ago now, press conference. We talked about it some on the show. So if you want to download last week's show, you can get a little bit there. But I, I think, you know, kinda, it depends would be my answer because – this this front office, this new regime has talked quite openly about their willingness to reshape the roster by trades of, of players they've got, whether that be Cease or potentially Eloy Jimenez or potentially uh, Yoan Moncada or you know other assets down the line. And I think the question there would have to be, the question back to you, not that I love answering a question with a question, but I think I have to here, what did it look like for those players? If the White Sox are on that path that you kind of described, are they there because those guys played well and were therefore more valuable to the White Sox in trade and got traded for good pieces that helps the long-term view, or was it something different? Because I could, I could absolutely see a situation where, and actually Buster Olney tweeted this, uh, what was it, yesterday, hearing reports that the White Sox may be likely to hold on to Dylan Cease until the deadline of this coming season. Could be a situation like that where you're looking at two very different teams um, up to the trade deadline and then afterward. And then judging that all or grading that all out in one wouldn't be a uh, a representable way of taking a look at that whole season. I I know we're up against it and can hear the music and everything, but hopefully that does at least a little bit to answering the question. We'll talk about it more next week, Kevin. Call back then. Appreciate you as always. Appreciate you for listening. We will talk to you next week on White Sox Weekly right here on ESPN 1000.